Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Good morning to all of our guests. I see that most of you have made it in from the waiting room, so we're going to go ahead and start our panel today. I'm Callie Boatwright, the President and CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber, and I'm delighted that you chose to join us for this regular Thursday webinar. Um, Just as a reminder on the instructions, everybody has been muted upon entry, Um, so if you can please all keep your, your microphones on mute, then we'll avoid any background noise. Um, If you have a question for our panelists, please use the Q&A feature, which you'll find at the bottom bar. Um, You will, we can address those questions at the end of the presentation um, when we see how much time we have available. We appreciate you using that technology for this. I, it is my pleasure to introduce our sponsor and our moderator today. I do want to thank our media sponsor, Business Radio X and John Ray. Uh, The webinar recording will be available following the presentation, and of course, we will send a follow-up email with that link and any slides that are presented in our Chamberlink e-newsletter, as well as our website front page. I want to thank Ken Davis, who's with us today. Our forum sponsor today is Renaissance Bank. Renaissance has been a faithful partner of the Greater North Fulton Chamber, and of course, we appreciate very much their support of our programs and events. Ken Davis serves as the North Georgia Region Community and Business Banking President for Renaissance Bank. He has more than 30 years of experience in the finance and banking industry. And prior to joining Renaissance, Ken served as the executive banker at several other regional banks with responsibility to increase both commercial and consumer loan and deposit share in North Metro Atlanta. Um, Ken is also a past chairman of the board of directors for our chamber, which we appreciate very much. Ken, thank you for your commitment to the chamber and the North Fulton community and to me personally, I appreciate your support. We appreciate your sponsorship and you serving as moderator of this esteemed panel. Thank you, Callie. And thank you for the opportunity to participate. Um, and also for the dedication and your leadership and your staff's dedication during these challenging times. Um, due to the challenging and the changes in the workplace, many businesses are planning for their new normal. And this morning before the call started, I heard there's now a term called the forward normal. Um, whatever it is, it's not going to be the same as in the past. Businesses are leaning upon the relationships with their bankers insurance agents, accountants, attorneys, and other professionals. Each business is developing a recovery plan and concerned about cash flow, revenue projections, revenue generation, payroll costs, and many other issues. On today's webinar, we're going to focus on the financial part of your business and how you can be the best prepared moving forward. According to the Georgia Bankers Association, as of the middle of May, Georgia banks had made 131,000 loans under the payroll protection program, totaling just over $14 billion. That ranks Georgia seventh in the number of loans nationwide and 11th in loan volume. The average loan size in Georgia is $107,000, while nationally, the average loan size is $117,000. According to the SBA data, as of May 19th, a total of $513 billion 
had been approved, leaving approximately $130 billion still available. And I know Renaissance Bank, as well as the other uh, bankers on our panel today, are probably still taking triple P applications, uh, even up to today. Uh, the North Fulton City's economic development groups, along with the Greater North Fulton Chair, uh, Chamber of Commerce and Select Fulton, recently conducted a business survey. Here are some of the interesting findings. 60% reported their businesses have remained open. 54% reported temporarily laying off employees. And 72% of the companies indicated lost customers as their largest factor hindering the restart of their business operations. The The largest overall trend was the business's concern about how to market and operate in this quickly changing environment. And with that said, we're glad to have a panel of experienced executives join us today to help us meet these challenging times. On our panel today, we will be joined by Daniel Chung with Bank of America, Anna Brumby with the Small Business Development Center, and Andrew Bell with Affinity Bank. Our first panelist today is Daniel Chung with Bank of America. With over two decades of experience in commercial banking, Danielle is Senior Vice President and Market Executive for Metro Atlanta Business Banking at Bank of America, which focuses on delivering financial solutions to middle market companies. Danielle is accountable for business strategy, execution, sales performance, and revenue growth. Daniel, thank you for participating in today's forum. Our members are working with their financial institutions to work through these challenging times. Can you talk with our members about contingency plans, cash flow forecasting, and staffing forecasts? And what other financial reports should they be considering when discussing their future financial outlook with their bankers? Thank you, Ken. Um, Appreciate the introduction and thank you again for sponsoring and moderating the panel and thank you to the um, North Fulton Chamber for pulling this together. Um, So you mentioned PPP, so I'll kind of start with that. Just to reinforce what you were saying, um, Bank of America has made um, approximately 19,000 loans in the state of Georgia um, to companies in the state uh, for just under a billion dollars in funding. And our average loans, uh, so 98% of our loans were for companies with under 100 employees, 81% for companies with fewer than 10 employees, and 96% of our loans for under $350,000, for for amounts under 100000 and 23 for were for uh, companies in low to moderate income neighborhoods. And yes, we continue to take applications and we know how important the PPP is to the businesses. I'm not here to talk today about the forgiveness process because the SBA is still trying to pull all that data together, but I'm sure that that will be top of mind. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably talk about it a little bit as I speak this morning, but we hope to have more guidance in the next uh, few days about the forgiveness process, which I'm sure is top of mind for everyone. Um, so, you know, as it relates to businesses and what they should be looking at, this is actually a timely conversation for us at Bank of America, because one of the things that we're doing right now is we are assessing our entire client credit portfolio across the bank. That's everywhere from our, you know, 
small business clients all the way up to our you know large corporate and investment banking clients. The reason being that we need to understand how our companies are faring during these unprecedented times. I mean, we've been through other recessions before where businesses have been impacted, but we've never really been in a situation like this where businesses are closed, businesses are facing challenges that they've never faced before. So we are doing that assessment and I'm going to share some of the questions that we're asking our clients and some information that we're asking for, because I think it gets to your question about how do we need to engage our clients during this time. One of the things I have to say is that communication, constant communication with your financial partner is extremely important. I mean, the banks, if you think about, you know, you're one client to a bank, a bank may have hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands clients. And we are worried about the financial health of our entire portfolio, which is includes your business and many others. So the more you can communicate, you know, everything that's going on with your business to your bank, that's going to be extremely important because it makes them feel comfortable, even with if they're not hearing is all that positive news, at least they know that you are acknowledging the issues in your business and trying to deal with them. So I'll share a few of the things that we're speaking to our clients about. One of the first questions we ask is, were you in operation during the last recession and how did you manage? Because that goes to your ability to be uh, strong leaders, to be resilient. And so that is something that we talk about. Don't worry if your business hasn't been through the last recession because there's still ways for us to understand your ability to, to, to rise up and, and lead through these times. But that's something that we'll, we'll also look to. Um, you know, you mentioned staffing. Staffing is a tough one right now. You know, many businesses are laying off employees, they're furloughing employees. Uh, but then you also have the rules about PPP that say you have to keep a certain percentage of employees in order to get forgiveness. So there's a lot of push and pull there. Um, but I think that some of the things that we're asking our clients about and that you should be thinking about are, are you using furloughs? Are you laying off employees? Are you doing pay cuts? What are you doing to owner distributions and salaries? That's really important during these times because we want to know that the owners aren't taking excessive amounts of money out of the business and they're leaving there to create stability and reserves on the balance sheet. You know, again, we talked about PPP. You know, keep meticulous records about your staffing, how many people you have on staff, who you retained, who you didn't, because that will be part of the information that you're going to have to provide at some point to, to whatever bank did your PPP um, for forgiveness. Um, the other thing that we're hearing is, are you having trouble getting people back to work? Um, many employees in certain industries are nervous about coming back to the office, um, especially if it's a high-risk environment like a supermarket or a restaurant. Um, we're also hearing that certain employees may be getting more money on unemployment than they would be getting employed. And so I know that the um, SBA just released some recent guidance that they can use some of the PPP money for bonus bonuses or hazard bonuses that may be able to attract some of those folks back to the workforce. Use the job boards um, as a resource. I mean, I know the Greater North Fulton Chamber has a job board put up. Some of the other chambers do. That's a great place to, to sort of source talent if you're having trouble getting folks back. And the other thing to think about is, are you able to upgrade talent? You know, there are a lot of people who are really skilled that are out of work right now. And you might be able to get some folks in that have a skill set a little bit higher than you would have been able to attract at, you know, a similar price. 
Um, the other things that we're talking to our clients about are demand. You know, are you experiencing reduced demand? How are you flexing your business to accommodate that? Are you doing staff reductions? Are you cutting expenses, distribution, salary changes? Are you pivoting to other products? We actually had one client who was in the personal kind of hair care products and, and they're seeing a decrease just because, well, let's face it, we're all staying home. Nobody's doing their hair. Um, but they were able to pivot into making hand sanitizer. So how are you thinking creatively about your business and how can you bring back demand? We're also thinking about supply chain disruptions and contingency plans. Are materials costing more? How are you handling that? You know, can you pass those costs on to consumer or do you, does your business have to absorb them? Again, you know, talk to your banks. What can they do to help? Have you accessed PPP? There's still money available. So those are still loans that you can access. And if you're not sure, reach out to your local banker and they will give you some guidance on how you put that application together. I know Bank of America is doing a lot of payment deferrals for our clients, whether it be on their term debt, um, changing some some payments and hard programs and things like that. So there are some push and pull that you can work with the banks on in trying to um, smooth out your cash flow. The most important thing, though, is liquidity. How many days or months of liquidity do you have on hand? What's your cash burn? Do you have access to capital from a you know a parent company, an unused bank line, a guarantor, a sponsor, private equity? Um, what can your guarantor or owners put in the business if needed? Are your clients paying timely? What demands do they have on their cash flow and how's that impacting yours? And will you have liquidity needs in the next 30, 60, 90 days? And how do you expect to meet those? And this is where I have to put a plug in for our CPAs. You know, a lot of this information, you know, putting together, we're asking our clients for sometimes weekly profit and loss statements. So weekly income statements, weekly P&Ls, 13-week rolling cash flows, updated balance sheets. Please engage your partners, engage your CPA, and have them help you with this. I mean, it's not easy. If you've never put together a 13-week cash flow, there's so many factors to consider. All the things that we talk about, staffing, supply chain disruption, demand changes. I mean, use your um, partners and just, again, be ready to be in constant communication. Your banks will work to see you through this if you are communicating and doing the right things in your business. Thank you, Danielle. Some great insight there. And I, my, my, one of my takeaways was your very first comment, and that was uh, communication. Um, bankers uh, love to get communication, um, and, and not communicating is, a, is usually not a good sign from a banker's perspective. So even if you have bad news, uh, over-communicate and make sure your bankers are informed as to what's going on in your business. Thank you. Our, our next speaker will be... Anna Brumby with the Small Business Development Center. Uh, Anna has 15 years of experience as an influential business leader with a history of designing and executing successful marketing, branding, and business development strategies. As a consultant for the SBDC, her areas of expertise include building business growth strategies, designing marketing strategies, competitive intelligence analytics, product development, go-to-market sales strategies, and brand design. Anna, there are several SBA loan programs available. Can you please give us an overview of all the SBA, maybe not all the SBA programs, how about that? (laughs) Overview of some of the SBA programs, like the Triple P, Paycheck Protection Program, 
the EIDL, the Economic Impact and uh, Disaster Loan, and possibly the 7A loan program as well. And are there certain programs that work best for small, medium, and large-sized businesses, maybe retail businesses, restaurants, and hospitalities? Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate y'all having me today. Uh, I am sharing my screen. Again, we're going to talk about three uh, programs today that you know I'm sure everybody is somewhat familiar with. We're going to talk a little bit at a high level about each one of these programs. Um, so I hope you all can see my screen. If you can't, somebody just give me a wave and let me know that. But um, Really quickly, if you aren't familiar with SBDC, um, you know, again, we have 17 offices across the state of Georgia. I am with um, SBDC at Georgia State. We cover all of Fulton and North Fulton. We have over 50 um, consultants across the state of Georgia. We've been around for 50 years. We are not part of the SBA. The SBA funds us, and um, we are responsive to them in terms of how we work with our businesses. But I think there's a lot of confusion around that. However, we do work very closely with them, especially right now with a lot of these programs and trying to get answers regarding the future of them. Um, so with that, I'm going to jump in. So the three programs we're going to talk about today are the SBA 7A Guaranteed Loan Payment Relief Program, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or what we call the EIDL Advance, the EIDL Loan and the EIDL Advance. And then um, what you just heard Danielle talk about, which is the PPP program. Um, I'll maybe briefly touch on that at the end, but I know that, um, you know, we're the, the bankers here today are going to talk more about that. Um, at first, we're going to talk a little bit about the 7A Guaranteed Loan Relief um, Program. And with that, um, you know, if you currently have an SBA 7A loan um, and you're an existing borrower, not on deferment, then your six months of deferment will begin the next month payment month due. Um, if you're an existing borrower on deferment, then the six month deferment can will begin after that deferment period ends. Um, what I want to talk today about is the new borrowers. Is this this last bullet point? Um, Again, there's a lot of technicalities to a 7A guaranteed loan. And as Danielle just you know, mentioned, you really need to be in constant communication with your financial institutions about these programs and are they right for you. But as a new borrower, if you are um, getting ready to start a business or you're looking to expand and invest in your business, the government programs like EIDL and PPP are not designed for this. So the 7A guaranteed loan payment relief program is something that could be for you if this is your intent. Um, it's great for a new borrower um, because, again, the terms are good. It's got a six-month deferment as long as the loan closes before September 27, 2020, because that is six months after this was passed in the CARES Act. Um, this is really more kind of an SBA, what we call an SBA stand-in loan. So the SBA will be paying your principal and your interest and your associated fees with this program on your behalf during the deferment period. Um, so if you are going to be starting a business or investing and in growing your business, um, which ironically at the, uh, at the SBDC, we work with, you know, businesses of all sizes. And we are actually seeing a lot of businesses that see an opportunity right now to expand their business because there are these type of loan programs. Um, and again, it is something you need to talk to your banker about. Um, Danielle also just mentioned talking to your team. So that's your CPA, tax attorney. Uh, you know, all the members of your team, your CFO, 
um, making sure that these decisions are right for you, that you understand the terms of them. Um, but the SBA 7A Guaranteed Loan Relief Program, um, again, and if you're looking to start a business or grow your business, really can be a great loan option for you. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about IDLE. There are probably a lot of people on the call who have um, applied for IDLE. As most of you know, that program has run out of funding. However, they are still processing the applications that came in prior to um, the program running out of the funds. So even if you have not heard yet, you still could be in the queue and you can reach out to the SBA um, at their customer helpline or email them to find out where you are. Um, you know, the IDLE program, again, this was designed by the federal government to help businesses stay afloat during this time. Um, you all saw with the SBA and with the federal government, they initially said they were going to loan up to $2 million, and then they quickly came back when they saw how many companies were actually applying, that they lowered that to $150,000. Um, we are still seeing those loans come through, like I mentioned, the loans are based solely on credit scores. Um, now, one of the things I want to talk to you about today is, you know, we've seen a few things which we were kind of a little surprised about. Um, we've seen some credit scores as high as 675 um, for those that apply for IDLE have been turned down based on that. If you are in that position, you can actually go back and you can um, ask to appeal that decision. Um, it is going to be a long and lengthy process, but you can appeal if you're turned down um, for the idle loan. Um, you know, again, this is, again, something where you will have to go through the SBA um, and you'll have to wait to hear back from them. But um, just because you're turned down does not necessarily mean you can't appeal that decision. Um, you can also turn down the idle loan. If you are approved for the loan, you can turn it down. Um, what the government said initially is that you will have up to six months to be able to go back at any point and say, you know what, I've changed my mind. Actually, I do want that money that I was approved for, and you won't have to go through the process again. However, that being said, um, you know, we don't know whether or not they'll be able to honor that because, again, the, the program has run out of money. As of this past Friday, um, we did hear back from the SBA that they do not have plans to refund the program as of today, but that could change depending on how things go with the coronavirus and companies getting back to work. Um, however, again, the idle funds um, are a great opportunity for companies. Again, if it's only $150,000, you have 30 years to pay it back. You can pay it back faster. It's at a 3.75 interest rate. So do consider, um, you know, whether or not this makes sense for you. Additionally, if you've applied for the PPP, you can get both. Um, you just cannot use the funds for the exact same thing. Um, I will tell you that with any loan document um, or any assistance program, obviously you need to read the fine print. Um, we do get a lot of questions from our clients where they'll start to read the fine print and see some concerning language in there and they're not sure if they should sign it. Again, as Danielle mentioned before, this is where you need to bring in your teams of attorneys. Um, at the SBDC, we are not attorneys, so we cannot advise you on how to um, negotiate the contract if you are able to go back and do that. But again, before you sign anything, I would consider talking to an attorney or a CPA um, tax uh, advisor. Um, additionally, with the idle, there was the advanced portion. Um, a lot of companies would just see funds show up in their accounts. Um, initially, the government said it would fund it up to $10,000, completely forgivable. 
Um, then they came back and said it'll be based on the number of full-time employees. So if you have one full-time employee, you'll get $1,000. This is forgivable. We do know that for sure. But the idle loan itself is not forgivable. But the advance is forgivable. Um, so if you are seeing funds just show up in your account and you've not yet heard about your loan application, that is the advance. Um, we have actually heard from a few customers who have said that they have actually gotten approved for the idle loan, but have not received their advance yet and have had to call the SBA. So again, don't be afraid to reach out to the SBA to find out where you are in the application process. Um, another interesting um, thing that we saw with one of our clients is that they were wondering why their application was being held up. They were one of the first to apply. When they called the SBA, they found out the SBA could not check their credit because they had frozen their credit because of the experience um, breach. So they had to then go and unfreeze their credit, call the SBA back. Then the SBA was able to process their loan pretty quickly and were able, was able to move it forward. So if you have not heard and you did apply, I would encourage you to reach out to the SBA. Um, all of these slides are going to be available to everybody. I'm not going through each and every point because I don't want to bore you. But again, a lot of this information has been out there, but I did want to give you some real life experiences of what we're seeing. Um, also with IDLE and the SBA, um, the SBDC, as I mentioned, we are not, we are not um, actually under the umbrella of the SBA in terms of we do not report to the SBA um, as our employer, even though they do fund us. However, we do have one point person that communicates with the SBA on a daily basis. So any questions we get from clients with any clarifications about things, we will submit that to our point person and they will then submit that to the SBA and we will get a response. So if you are concerned about anything regarding your idle loan or questions regarding the contract or if you want to return the funds or turn them down or unsure why you're approved for a certain amount, um, please feel free to reach out to your SBDC, myself especially, my information is at the end of this, and we'll be happy to reach out to the SBA on your behalf. And then lastly, the third program we mentioned is PPP. Um, and it's, again, as Danielle brilliantly said, they're still waiting on the federal government, which we typically are, to define the forgivability of this, right? They said it's 75%, as long as 75% of the funds you receive um, are based on, are used for um, payroll, that it is forgivable. Again, how all that's going to happen, how that's going to, you know, work itself out, we're still waiting to hear about that. Um, this is great. The PPP is such a great program because one, there's still funding there. Two, the banks have done such a great job in processing these loans. They've actually gotten to um, small businesses faster than the idle loans, um, as well as the size of the loans are much larger than they're able to get. So for larger businesses, especially, even though, as Danielle mentioned, I think 80% of hers have fewer than, you know, I think 10 employees. They're obviously, they are really looking out for those small businesses. So Again, if you have not applied for a PPP program, I would you know, highly suggest calling your financial institution, the commercial banker, and reaching out to them to apply for this loan. Um, it is a wonderful program. And again, um, it is getting uh, money into the hands of customers faster. Um, and so we will continue to see kind of how that plays out. Um, but um, this, again, this program is not... Um, intended to be used to um, grow your business or inject new capital or capital um, gains within your business or improve cash flow. It's actually uh, intended to utilize 
to maintain payroll, maintain mortgages, keep you in business. So understand the difference between that and the 7A loan is, is going to be important as well, whether you're trying to maintain versus grow your business. And again, talk to your banker um, and we or reach out to the SBDC and we're happy to kind of talk to you more um, about what may make sense for your industry, the size of your business um, as you move forward. Um, and the last thing I really do want to say, um, and again, as Ken mentioned at the beginning, um, the forward normal that we're you know, now experiencing that everybody's talking about, if I can impart any, impart any wisdom on this group, if you can remember one thing that I've said today is that you can never know enough people with access to capital. So take this opportunity today in this forward normal, not only to communicate with your existing banker, but utilize you know, great organizations like the Greater North Fulton Chamber to get to know other lenders in the organization, you know, get to know uh, VCs, get to know angel investors. If you've got a neighbor up the street that sold his business 10 years ago and sitting on a lot of cash, take him to coffee. One of the most important things, if you're looking to buy a business, start a business, even sell a business or grow your business in the future, you can never know enough people who have access to capital. So in this forward normal, make that a priority to grow your network in this in this area. Thank you, Anna. It is uh, important, a, a key part there. It never hurts to know a lot of people, particularly um, friendly investors, to help you out during this time. So thank you for that insight. Our final panelist is Andrew Bell with Affinity Bank. Andrew has a 17-plus year career in banking and has held jobs which include a regional retail branch management over 12 branches, district sales manager for merchant services covering the states of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, and most recently serving as a commercial banker in the North Fulton Forsyth County markets. Andrew, many of our business members have received funds under um, possibly those programs that Anna just described. Can you talk about the triple P forgiveness projections and calculations? And what are your thoughts on deferrals, loan, loan payment deferrals? Yeah, uh, I'd love to share my thoughts, Ken. And, and uh, thank you for what you do. And, uh, and thank you for having me today and, and to the chamber for hosting this. This is a, an esteemed panel. I'm humbled to be a part of it. Um, but both of these items, um, deferrals and the PPP forgiveness, it's obvious they've been on everyone's mind. These are weird times. So before we get into the details, and there's a lot of them, um, just to, I'd like to offer a couple of general pieces of advice. Um, and the first of which is we've hit it on multiple times today, surrounding ourselves with good advisors, uh, making sure that we're running all these ideas and, and business strategies around both of these items, deferrals and PPP forgiveness by those professionals. CPAs, bankers, attorneys, wealth advisors. Um, I think that's crucial. And second, in both of these things, we, we can't underestimate just using good, sound business logic uh, when it applies to both of these. And we'll touch on both of those in, in a few minutes. I'd like to start with deferrals uh, as the first thing to talk about. It's not nearly as detailed as, as the, the triple P forgiveness. Uh, you know, we're seeing deferrals offered in a lot of different realms, uh, including uh, deferrals that we've offered at Affinity Bank. And those are ranging from home mortgages to business loans, uh, credit cards, car payments, rents, leases, 
personal and business. Um, and I want to make sure that people understand that a deferral does not wipe out a payment. Um, it simply changes the structure or modifies that particular debt or obligation based on the institution. And, and so making sure that we understand that deferral completely is, is, a, is a crucial step. For example, if, if your car loan company offers you a 90-day referral on your car payment, that, that's a blessing. Um, it can mean a couple things, though. It can mean that you don't owe a payment for 90 days and they make a five-year car note, a five-year and three-month car note, where those payments have simply just been added to the end. Um, but it could also mean that you don't have a payment for 90 days, interest is still accruing, and a large portion or all of those unpaid car payments will be due when that 90-day deferral period is over. Um, and, and that if that money gets spent on other things, that, that could provide a, a really tough scenario for that borrower. Um, and, and ultimately, that could put you in bad standing with the bank. It could ding your credit. It, it could really be a, a negative thing. So understanding how the, your in, that institution's deferral is structured, um, and, and I think that that's just a, a really good thing. And even if we make payments, you know, I would always personally incur encourage, even in a deferral period, making partial payments, or if you can make those payments during a deferral period, I, I would encourage that. Um, and as we talked about earlier, Ken, you know, consulting with someone that you trust is just a sound business decision and, and do, do what's best for you, your family, as well as your business. Um, now the, uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, which is the PPP forgiveness question, um, so, so the SBA PPP forgiveness published a seven page document back on May 15th. Uh, we would love to think that the guidance of this application will be set in stone, but we're all preparing uh, that, that another set of, of changes or regulations surrounding that application may come out before or possibly even during the forgiveness timeframe um, right off the bat. As we've talked about before, we need to make sure that we're staying in touch with our banker, our CPA, uh, stay, saving the SBA's website to our favorites on our browser, uh, because that's going to be the best source of, of change in any guidance. So I want to start by touching on some basic rules. And for everybody on the call, I'd grab a, a pen and paper because uh, there's a lot of a lot of details I'm about to, to throw at you. And, and please forgive uh, you know, how fast I'll go. So we're going to start with the, the basic 75%, 25% rule. And, and ultimately, that means that 75% of the PPP funds have to be spent on payroll costs. Um, there are eligible payroll costs. Before, we thought it had to be spent in eight weeks. Now the guidance has changed where it, pay, eligible payroll costs are included if paid or incurred during that eight uh, period, uh, eight week period. So, so ultimately that, that money can be spent outside of the eight week period, uh, but it has to be for things that have incurred within that eight weeks. Um, so let's just say we're paying for payroll inside eight weeks, but the payroll cycle falls on week nine or week 10. So that would still be covered. The same thing with the non-payroll eligible costs. So uh, I, I know, Ken, you have a, a big question. What are eligible payroll costs? Well, I've got that answer for you. Um, gross wages. 
tips, vacation, FMLA, bonuses, commissions, severances, um, hiring new employees or increasing employees' wages are included. Um, also included employers' portion of group, group health care benefits, as well as retirement benefits. State and local taxes on that compensation are, are, are also all eligible payroll costs. Now, something to note, you were limited to a $100,000 salary on the front end, which means you are also capped on the eligible forgiveness per employee of 100000 on the back end. So that equates to a little over $15,000 per employee um, maximum for that eight-week time frame. So non-payroll eligible costs that could be included, um, and that makes up the other 25%, not to exceed that, utilities, um, electricity, gas, water, phone, internet, and there's a transportation is included in there. And everyone that I've talked to has interpreted that means that it's probably more meant for fuel costs. So if you're a business that owns a fleet, uh, that, that would be included. Uh, rent, um, interest. Now, something to make a note of, uh, the way it reads is it, eligible non, non-payroll costs or payments of interest on any business mortgage on real or personal property. Um, now, non-mortgage interest can be paid, but it's not going to be forgiven. Um, and, and I think that that, uh, that needs to be noted. Um, so that, that's a quick and, and high-level overview of payroll costs and non-payroll costs covered in forgiveness. Now, I, I want to touch on the, the real big concern of people is, is what, what occurs when the forgiveness amount is reduced, uh, meaning I, I got a loan and, and I'm not eligible. So I want to talk about some things that could disqualify some forgiveness. Um, the first thing first, loan proceeds have to be spent. So if you got a $100,000 loan and you only spent 80% of that within the, the covered time frame, and you spent it the right way, you can't apply for forgiveness for the full 100000 So you're only eligible for what you spend. Um, and then the remaining portion of whatever wasn't used, well, then there'll be a balance on the loan and, and a payment will be appropriated. Another thing that could get a loan not forgiven is a reduction in FTEs, a reduction in salary or hourly wages to employees. Um, if your non-payroll costs exceed that 25%, that's something to, to note. Um, as Anna mentioned earlier, the EIDL grant, based on how those funds were used, that could create some complications with what's forgiveness not double dipping, um, you know, can't use both loan proceeds on payroll costs. So that could do qualify, disqualify. And then a, a big change that kind of happened in round two were what we're calling safe harbor rules. Uh, I want to touch on this briefly, Ken. This applies for loans exceeding $2 million. Uh, SBA has stated that they're assuming everyone under $2 million in a loan amount acted in good faith and needed the relief. Um, anyone over two million uh, will now have to provide documentation uh, of proof of economic uncertainty uh, and, and will be audited. 
Um, and, and if and if you're on the call and you're this company, I would begin working on providing very detailed documentation, macro and micro levels, um, providing documentation sources of other liquidity. Um, it, you know, it's a lot going on there. Um, and I think that goes for everybody. I think it's safe to never assume um, that uh, we just don't need to create documentation. And so um, FTE reduction is one of those things. So you have to maintain uh, the same number of employees. Um, there are exceptions and all that documentation is listed out there, exceptions on the SBA's website. Same thing with salary and wages reduction. It cannot be reduced by 25% or more. Um, and, and then non-payroll ex- exceeding, non-payroll exceeding 25%. And so um, final two points, and then I'll, uh, I'll end my time. Uh, people are concerned, what does the unforgiven portion look like when I'm done? Uh, it is at a 1% interest rate, um, two-year term, no payment for six months, but interest is accruing, and, and there is no prepayment penalty to pay that back. Um, and, and so, once again, we want to make sure that we're encouraging business owners when they receive these money that they're using them for good business decisions. And, and it's worth taking a pause to make sure that the use of these funds aren't affecting the business long term. Um, and then, final recommendations. Uh, People, you know, us at Affinity Bank, we're encouraging people to business owners to set up a separate account for those PPP funds, track your eligible spending on a weekly basis, really focusing on the payroll, non-payroll costs and the forgiveness calculations, keeping detailed documentation for everybody and all your partners. Uh, And then finally, to kind of bring us home, Ken, just continue to confer with your trusted advisors and making sure that you're not uh, not walking off the ledge, in, in, in so to speak. So, thank you. Great insight, Andrew, and thank you for those uh, points. I know, there, like you said, there's a lot of details to any of these government programs. Um, and so, and thank you to the panelists for participating. My, you know, my takeaway was out of everybody, it was it's all about communication, whether uh, internally with your company your owners or your employees, but also communication with your business partners. Um, and there may be, you may need to be introduced to some new business partners as well as you go through this uh, process. Uh, consult um, uh, with others and don't think you have to figure it out on your own. That's what those uh, professional advisors are there for. And then, as you said, Andrew, uh, and, and Anna stressed as well, make sure you read the details. Uh, not only the uh, a loan agreement you may engage in, but also uh, know that a lot of these programs, and particularly on this forgiveness piece, that there's a lot of that the bankers and the other professionals just don't know yet, and we're waiting on guidance from the SBA. And as we saw during the Triple P process, phase one and phase two, uh, we got clarity as we went through the process, uh, and we we used internally. Our chairman used the example, uh, you know, we were building an airplane as we were flying at, a, uh, at the same time. And that's probably what a little bit of the uh, forgiveness piece is going to be uh, about. Um, but know that everybody wants to communicate just as quickly as we can. Stacy, I see that we have a couple of questions. Uh, do you want to kind of take those over and panelists will, will answer them? 
Sure. Thanks, Ken. Um, we do have a couple of questions in the question and answer function of Zoom. So if you have um, another question, be sure to add it in there for us. Um, Danielle, you want to start us off? When do you expect um, more guidance and clarity on the new Treasury Main Street lending program? Yeah, happy to um, answer that one, Stacy. So you know, we are still hearing that June is the date. Now I know June is next week. Um, so we, you know, the banks have been given, um, you know, a significant amount of guidance, but it's all still subject to change. I mean, what I can say is that they are still targeting next week um, or sometime in June, right? Um, what I can share is just a few facts and sorry, I'm looking to the side. I've got a couple things on my screen here. So this program is really for companies with under 15,000 employees you know, if you think about PPP, the cap on there was 500 employees. So this is really meant to capture the next tranche of client sizes. And, um, you know, it, if you have a PPP loan, it does not exclude you from participating in Main Street. You know, these loans are not forgivable loans. They're going to actually be term loans that are, you know, meant to be paid back, but they are meant to be at a lower rate. You know, we're estimating, we think it's going to be somewhere around LIBOR plus 3%, but there's still a lot of um, kind of information in the works on that. And then there's different types of loans and there's different criteria for each in terms of um, eligibility covenants that you would have to follow. So I think, you know, to um, Andrew, the points that Andrew and Ken and, and Anna all made, you know, just communicate with your banker. Obviously, as soon as they have the information, they will share it with you. But more importantly, start reading the materials on the on the um, government websites and having conversations with your attorney and your CPA because they are going to be the ones who will be able to guide you as to you know your eligibility, confirming that you can comply with the program. Um, and so, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we're going to be ready to launch this, and Bank of America will be participating um, as soon as we have the final go ahead on the program. Thank you, Danielle. Um, you. All of the, uh, you on this call have mentioned that we've, of course, had round one and we've had round two of funding. Um, Anna, can you speak to the possibility of there being a round three of funding? I mean, truth be told, I mean, obviously we're all hopeful. Um, you know, the SBA, we did have a conversation with them on Friday, this past Friday, May 22nd, where they said there are no plans to fund idle, refund idle at this time. Um, obviously, there are still funds available with PPP um, to say, um, depending on how things play out, they could refund idle and that could potentially, you know, be another option for people to go back for a second round and apply again. Um, unfortunately, we can't say definitively, um, you know, again, depending on, you know, the small businesses, how the economy starts to rebound, if they're feeling like, you know, the They've exhausted all funds. It still is lagging and people, you know, small businesses are closing at a higher rate. They will look at it again, but today we can't really say definitively or not whether that will happen. Thanks, Anna. Um, Andrew, we'll let you um, catch the next question. Um, due to the PPP participation, are banks and financial institutions looking to hire employees to assist with the needs of the PPP programs and to help their clients through the process? Yes, that's, it's a good question. And it, it is definitely top of mind. Uh, every bank and every financial institution is evaluating that because it's a, 
it's a bandwidth question. Um, it, it is a how fast can we create an automation for that? Uh, almost creating a funnel for the collection of document. And because of the unknowns, you know, we we don't know the 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 abundance of information. And so there are some banks that I've heard that are outsourcing either a portion or all of the PPP forgiveness underwriting. Uh, Affinity Bank has already created a, a, that that portal. Um, you know, in, we're kind of in the eye of the hurricane, so to speak, because you know we've got about three more weeks or so before round one, applicant one, kind of gets out of their eight week period, and, and so so we're thinking sometime end of ju- middle middle to end of June is when the first eligible forgiveness. So so we've got a little bit of time, and we're really. As those guidances change, um, you know we're we're just constantly fine tuning that process. But uh, I know CPA firms have been a great resource for me, and a lot of them out there are providing um, some a la carte services or, or taking underwriting uh, completely on. So uh, there definitely is a need to partner in the community to just make sure that that um, you know keep hearing it. We're all in this together, and, and so uh, uh, there's a lot of a lot of people out there uh, pitching in. Thank you. Um, to kind of wrap up the questions, I'd like to see if any um, of the panelists could offer, you know, if you could do one thing or if you could offer some advice on best practices for our member businesses, um, what would that be? Sure. So, Stacy, you know, I guess I'll, I'll just reiterate a couple points that I made early on. I think that this has to be a constant partnership and communication with your key advisors. I mean, think of it as, you know, your company, um, you've got your CPA, your attorney, and you've got your banker. And really, that group needs to be in close contact. And you need to make sure that you've got strong advisors around you that can guide you through this process. This is not going to be an easy environment the next few quarters. I mean, as we, you know, finish out PPP, work on the forgiveness, look at the Main Street program, businesses start to flex and potentially change their business models you know, deal with all these staffing issues. So what I would say is just stay in communication and really think more broadly about how you need to pivot your business. Pivot is a big word that we've been using at the bank lately. Everybody is pivoting. You know, to Andrew's point before about staffing, we have pivoted a tremendous amount of our staff to PPP. We are pivoting how we look at new business. We are pivoting how we help our clients. And so think about how you have to pivot your business, whether that be, you know, continuing to operate in the same model, but maybe making some tweaks or changing the model completely. You know, I've seen some articles um, out there about this being a transformational occurrence, this pandemic for our global economy and how many, you know, there'll be a lot of innovation. There'll be a lot of change. Um, Some businesses will start doing things differently. So think about what you need to do for your business and your employee. Stay close to your advisors and think about your transformation. Thank you. Um, Andrew, any final comments for the group? I, you know, Danielle said it best. I, my prayer through this whole time has been that, that we seek why is this happening? And I think that whether it be on the personal side of, of our home, reconnecting with, you know, our family members and, and, you know, having zoom birthday parties with people out of state just to be better friends and family members to, to slowing down in this process, as Daniel said, 
And this is something that my partner Carter Barrett and I talk about all the time. Slowing down to speed up is is using this time to to rebrand or reevaluate or trim the fat or reinvent and 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 knowing that the people and businesses that hit the ground running um, are are, are going to be the ones that sustain and. Um, we don't want to be irrelevant. We want to stay relevant. And, and I think that we're seeing now more than ever the value of having just strength, strong bonds with our friends and our family and our faith and our health. And, and, and in a professional sense, the vendors we work with, the, the efficiencies we use or don't use, the partners we have, our team. Um, and not taking them for granted um, and forging long lasting relationships. So that that's, that's been my prayer all along. And, and uh, I know that the, the individuals and businesses that, that are, are focused on that are going to come out and, and leave this in the, in the rear view. Thanks, Andrew. Ken, you got any final thoughts for our, our group today? I think it's all been said uh, very well by our panelists, uh, communication, um, good news, bad news. Um, and I think it goes back to you know, that relationship piece, as, as Andrew talked about. Um, and, you know, we, we've got to have a long-term view to this. I mean, we, we started the year um, thinking in January we had a new, vi- uh, a new um, flu virus. And then all of a sudden in February, the stock market crash in March, we're getting government aid. And we're just now beginning to come in some parts of the state uh, to different phases uh, of the governor's plan. And the city of Atlanta is coming into phase two. So each market's got its own challenges. Um, but And it's going to be a long road till we get back to whatever this forward normal, new normal is. So um, I think it's important as, as – individuals, as owners, as husbands, wives, grandparents, you know, we take care of our own health as well because we're going to have to be in this for the long haul. Thanks, Ken. Anna, I appreciate you being here from the SBDC. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, one thing that I do want to add, um, again, everybody said, you know, given such great advice and information. Um, One of the things we have always worked on with our clients that now is just so critical now is that financial planning piece, right? We've always told our clients to have projections, to have the right financial statements that they're managing on an ongoing basis, to have cash reserves. And again, I do think this is uh, a transformational time for us where people are going to do that and adhere to that advice. Um, more so in the future once we kind of get past this. And I do think that's going to make us stronger and better small business owners. So, you know, again, we are seeing a lot of challenges within the small business, but those that actually have been doing that before, we're also seeing them. They're already pivoting. They're already growing. They're doing great. So we at the SBDC and myself, especially with a lot of my clients, see a lot of optimism in the future. And it is still a wonderful environment to be a small business owner. So we do want to encourage those that are thinking about in the future to continue to think about it and to continue to have the right advisors, have the right banking relationship, make sure you're planning adequately and appropriately. 
Um, and then, you know, once you're getting your business set up, again, to make sure those financial statements, those projections, those cash reserves are there to sustain you if something happens. Um, and hopefully it'll never be anything this catastrophic again. But again, just making sure you're making sound business decisions. Um, and then I'll just reiterate, you can never know enough people with access to capital. So if you can do anything starting today, tomorrow, start to grow that network, start to you know reach out to people digitally, have you know digital meetings, go to meet for coffee now that those are opening up. So I would say grow that network to really be prepared to, you know, for anything like this in the future. Thank you to all of our panelists. We appreciate it so much, Anna. I think your point's well taken. Right now, it is all about relationships, um, and I consider myself and GNFCC very lucky to have you all as part of our team, so thank you for that. We also appreciate your time, and, and we know how busy, especially, gosh, the bankers have just been insane over the last two months. Um, and so we really appreciate you fitting us into your schedule and, and being with us today. Ken Davis, thank you for being our moderator. And thanks to Renaissance Bank for being our sponsor today. We appreciate you so very much. Just so everybody knows, our next Economic Recovery Webinar Forum will be next Thursday, June 4th. And we are going to have a, um, a big surprise. I don't know how many of you knew this, but Zoom is actually in Alpharetta. And so we have worked with them and have an executive with Zoom who's going to come on with us to talk about not just the regular connectivity, but kind of trips and tools from the folks who created Zoom. Um, so that you can learn more about working remotely or coming back into your forward normal and how that will all look with some new tips and tricks like the pros. So you will be able to register for that on our website at gnfcc.com and we'll be able to receive the Zoom call information for the call about Zoom. That's going to get confusing. Right now, we just are very appreciative that you took your time out to join us today and we hope you have a great day, great rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.